Quick note, this podcast was recorded before Eshin Hagens announced his decision to return to Kentucky. We'll have more on that on the next edition of Locked on Kentucky. Welcome to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by First Watch. We'll tell you more about their delicious breakfasts and lunch in just a bit. We are going to talk kind of some roster chatter um, and the moving parts that is the basketball offseason. There's obviously news today that most of you are aware. P.J. Washington officially declared for the NBA draft and, and will not be returning to Kentucky. That's a surprise to no one. Um, but now that it's officially out there, we can kind of discuss the rest of the, the key pieces that are they'll kind of kind of fall into place. I guess, Kyle, the, one of the easiest things to do is just, like, how will you kind of remember P.J. Washington's time at Kentucky? Well, I, I tweeted another link out to it today, but I, I, kind of the story I wrote, I don't know, month two months ago, um, the idea that maybe P.J. Washington made it cool to come back to school again at Kentucky to be a sophomore. Um, you know, he's a guy who could have gotten drafted last year. It would have been a little bit of a roll of the dice because it probably would have been in the second round. Um, but instead he came back, and, you know, he's the reason, I, the biggest reason they were a national title contender. And, like, whether you're frustrated about the season or not, the fact is they were literally one shot away from the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And that was because of P.J. Washington. One free throw away, right. even, yeah. Yeah, and, and some of that you say, well, he had one of those shots. And he had those free throws, and so maybe some of that's on him. But he also is the only reason they were within one shot of going to the Final Four because he comes back on the bad foot, has a great Sweet 16, has that crazy block on a bad foot. Somehow, you know, he hadn't shown a ton of lift in that first game back, and then he gets as high as he's probably ever been in his life to block the shot that led to the Tyler Hero go-ahead three, and that was the sequence that kind of – you know, if they'd gone on to the Final Four, I think the sequence that you'd remember from this season is that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll remember that and the fact that he had that monster Elite Eight game on a, also on a bad foot and gave him 37 minutes. And that, you know, he maybe more than anybody I can remember in eight years covering Kentucky and essentially the Calipari era really answered like all the things you wondered about him after the first year like some guys came back and were basically the same guy like terrence jones came back and he was really good he won a national title but he was like kind of he was kind of the same guy yeah deron lamb came back and he was pretty much the same guy like pj washington more than anybody i can think of and correct me if you if there's one that jumps out to you like transformed himself Mm -hmm. i mean he was not a three-point shooter at all as a freshman and he became a very, very good three point shooter and not just three point shooter, but just perimeter player stepping out away from the basket, facing up, attacking, passing. And he addressed, you know, can he do it consistently? Because he did. I mean, when you say consistently, that doesn't mean every game because nobody's like on every game, very few, but he had way more on games than off. And certainly down the stretch. I mean, you know, he had that 10-game stretch where he was the best player in the league and maybe the country. And then 
when he finally came back in the uh, NCAA tournament, he was a monster. And he ends up as a consensus All-American in the latest, many of the latest mock drafts in the, in the, and certainly in the athletic Sam Vecini, the athletics latest big board. He's now 14th in that range right there with a chance to be a lottery pick, mm-hmm. you know, from being in the fifties a year before. I, I think what, when I think of PJ Washington going forward, I will think of a guy who just dramatically helped himself and helped the program by coming back. And, and I, I do think it's possible. We're, we're about to find out. And we're going to talk about some of these guys. I think it's possible that he made it cool to come back to school again. And there are guys who will have, you know, guys right now and maybe in the next couple groups that they can immediately point to P.J. Washington and say, this is why you should come back. When Calipari is about to have, starting about right now, he's about to have individual meetings with all these players. He gave them the week off, let them just kind of decompressed from the season. And now he's going to start meeting with them and their families and in those meetings for some of these fringe guys, he can now point to a guy they know and say, look what can happen. And I think that will be his potentially be his legacy here. Yeah. Um, just real quick, here's, here's PJ's statement that, that he put out. He said, I want to thank God, Coach Cal, and the staff with challenging me to become the player that I am. They believed in my potential and never accepted anything less than my best. Thank you for helping me grow into a man that's ready for this next step to my teammates wow we have been through so much thank you for putting your trust in me and for inspiring me through every workout practice and game i'll never forget this group and to everyone at uk thank you for your support and for helping a kid from dallas see his dreams come true uh you you kind of asked if there had anybody that had like improved this much or i guess or you know answered so many questions i, I I don't think there's anybody that's answered so many questions specifically with his shooting that he that he just com- that took to the next level. You know, I think the guys you laid out, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb, they improved, but they just got better at what they were already good at. So there isn't there there isn't like a clear guy that you could point to. I guess you could kind of say Willie Cauley Stein, but he was a you know a his decision was similar, but it was from sophomore to junior year, and it was largely based off injury more than anything else. I feel like so I. I think that this is going to be something that Calipari uses going forward. And Kyle, I've, I've referenced this several times on different platforms, but do you remember when Calipari said, I guess this has been over a year ago now, that at this point his toughest challenge is getting guys to come back. It's not recruiting guys into the program. It's you know saying that we can help you if you come back this season. And finally, they have a poster child for it, and it's P.J. Washington who goes from second-round pick because, as you said many times, Paul and PJ were both very clear from the moment they made they started the decision process last year that if he was a guaranteed first rounder, he would have went. Yep. So he never was, so he was borderline. So most likely a second round pick into a lottery guy. And I, that's like that kind of growth is is tough, tough to do because once for for the most part, when once NBA guys kind of decide, decide on you, you have to really show something to improve that stock. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it's probably a good rule of thumb. Uh, you know, PJ's dad if you talk to him, has done the research. He knows the numbers. He knows the contract numbers. He knows the realities of if you're a second-round pick, how easy it is to just send you right to the G League that you may never get to the big league. You may never get to that second contract and how much, you know, if you can push yourself up a few spots, get into that first round, get a better deal, get more money guaranteed, have a team with more vested interest in your success that wants, you know, is going to give you a look in the NBA, 
um, how valuable that is. And I think it's probably a good rule of thumb for these guys. It seems it seems logical, but we've seen some illogical decisions in recent years. You know, before before some of these, maybe you would have said, "Of course, that's the thing to do." If you're not a first round pick, you come back. But we've seen guys that weren't projected to be picked at all, and who weren't picked at all, who just said, "I'm leaving." Yeah. Um, and to to make that point even a little bit more, uh, and this kind of slipped through the cracks. I didn't notice it until I was just like reading some NBA Twitter. Isaiah Briscoe was recently released from the Magic because uh, he, he got was hurt. unhealthy, uh, wasn't healthy, and isn't going to make their playoff roster, so they release him. Now the scuttlebutt is that they really loved him and want to resign him, but right, you know, he isn't the when you pick a guy in the first round, you have so much more invested in him. That and unlike a free agent or a second rounder, you know it's easy to cut an Isaiah Briscoe. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It's not as easy as to cut a guy who you pick at fifteen or fourteen. And I don't think you even could. If I mean, I think yeah, if I he, think if he was yeah, a first round pick. I don't think you even could. That's cut him. A, another uh, great point. So, you know, there's there's some value there in uh, in trying to come back and work your way into that first round. Um, so that you know that's that's one of the things, you know, and and beyond like his NBA whatever and whatever impact he has on future decisions, he was a really good player. Yes, he I was. I mean, if like two games go differently, maybe if Reed Travis doesn't get hurt and they beat Tennessee and they win a share of the league, he's your SEC player of the year. I mean, he was right there. And regardless of that, uh, he became a consensus All-American. I mean, that is not a small feat. He was on every major All-America list. He was third team, but like that's that means you're a top 15 player yeah. in all of college basketball. Yeah. Um, so, and I think PJ is a guy too that like a lot of peers respect. A lot of guys knew him, and his dad. You know, his dad is a prominent guy, mm-hmm. coach, and he was on the circuit for a long time from like a very young age. I think across college basketball, players respect PJ more than maybe some of us covering it. You know. Yeah. Um, I think he's very highly thought of. So, terrific player. He's a guy in another era who comes back probably for a junior year and is like, you know, national player of the year caliber guy. <laughs> it's unfortunate that we don't live in that era anymore for our own entertainment. Um, but all the same, he's very good. And so that decision was the most obvious one. Like yeah. there was just no question that was happening. And um, coming up in a second, we are going to get into some of those other decisions that are still on the horizon with UK basketball. Um, but before that, I do want to tell you guys about First Watch. We've been telling you about them for a while. Uh, in Lexington, they got their new location out by Fayette Mall um, near the Target. So you can go check out that one. And soon they're going to be opening their new spot on Richmond Road. Obviously, they already have their current location on Richmond Road, which is right there on the corner of Man of War. Um, but they're going to be moving into the same kind of building area where the Skyline and the Roses, the new La Roses, is going to be opening in May. So that one's going to be there. It's going to be an awesome new facility. And they're going to have the same dishes at all the first watches. We told you you know, all the time about the all the different kinds of pancakes and, and different kind of things. You know, as we mentioned, they're a breakfast and lunch spot. They're open from 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. every day. Um, so go check out all the, the three restaurants in Lexington. All of those are very, lo- are all o- locally owned. And plus, there's First Watch's all over the place. There's some in Louisville and some up in Cincinnati too. So if you're not up in those areas, go check out uh, the closest one to you. First Watch, yeah. It's fresh. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. 
let's roll through some of these other decisions, Kyle. We'll, we'll see how far we get today, and whatever we don't get, we'll, we'll talk about on on another podcast. Um, but you're working on a piece. We're recording this on is it Tuesday still? It is Tuesday afternoon on a piece for the Athletic that'll be posted um, before you guys hear this. Um, I, Tyler Hero and Ashton Haggins, I guess, are the most intriguing to a lot of people. Yep. Um, Hero, I feel like most people think is going to go pro. Haggins is, most people think, should come back. You can make cases for each of them, I, I think. Um, but, but, like, what are your kind of thoughts about that? Well, we shouldn't skip over Keldon Johnson, but he's in the basically in the PJ category. I would be really surprised if he came back. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone around the program believes that Kelvin Johnson's coming back. He is right now, uh, in, at least in the athletic pro, uh, big board, I think Sam Vecini has him 18th. Some people still have him around the lottery, 14, 15. He was in the lottery for a lot of the year, but you know, kind of had a up-and-down production. Um, he's a top-20 pick. And I, you know, I just I don't think he's coming back. I think he was he came in thinking he was going to the NBA, and I think he's not fallen in any significant way that he wouldn't uh, still go. So, you know, just to sort of take him off the table. So they're going to lose Reed Travis. They've already they've lost PJ Washington. I think they lose Kelton Johnson. I think everyone expects that. I think largely in talking to people around the program. The feeling is that Tyler Hero's probably also going to go. Um, I think the staff is is braced for that. Um, I talked to Tyler's dad, and I'll have a piece up on the athletic. Um, we're going to wait to release this podcast and think until that gets published. It should be up Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. But um, you know, one thing is all all these guys have submitted their names to the uh, NBA's underclassmen advisory uh, committee and they basically they have a group of nba people like a a bunch i think several like maybe like 25 i can't remember what the number was a bunch of people on this committee they're nba type people or experts in in, uh, nba evaluation and they all cast a vote for if a player submits their name to this board they all cast a vote for what they think the range that they think a player will be picked in. And the ranges are lottery. Those are the first 14 picks. First round non-lottery, which is 15 through 30. First half of the second round, which is 31 through 45. Second half of the second round, which is 46 through 60, or undrafted. And when those – so they get a form, the players get back a form, and on the on this form, in each of those categories, there's a percentage, and that's the percentage of people on the board who voted for that tier for them. It's like it'll say, no, 0% of our voters think you're a, a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. 20% think you're a first-rounder, second half of the first round. 50% think you're whatever. Uh, and then at the top, it'll say, most likely draft position. Or category, and it'll give you one of those the, one of those categories that the most that that based on those votes is most likely for you. So Tyler's dad told me he got they submitted it, they got it back. He's he's in the fifteen to thirty range. They think he's a first rounder, not a lottery pick. That probably means he's gone. I mean, Calipari's sort of standard thing is kind of like PJ's dad. You know, if you're a first rounder, you go. And that's usually Calipari's advice, almost always his advice, unless he thinks there's a guy who could 
is in the 20 to 25 range who could be who could go to the top 10 next year. Mm-hmm. Then he might say, if you if that's what you want, we'll we'll get you there. Um, that is possible, you know. And Tyler's dad said, we haven't decided. There's a lot of moving parts. It is very. He used the word very possible that he still comes back to Kentucky. But I am skeptical of that, and I think this that Kentucky's everyone I've talked to. Excuse me. Everyone I've talked to around the program is very skeptical that he's coming back. Just because, I mean, that's, yeah. he's in a great spot. He's going to be a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks if you're Kentucky because this is like Devin Booker all over again. Like, you, nobody signed this kid thinking he was a one-and-done. Yep. And he's probably a one-and-done. And that's the, that's the problem of, like, trying to manage this. Like, okay, Tyler Hero, if you were, if you were doing, like, a build-a-player for what some people say they want Cal to – approach recruiting with it's this like the 38th ranked player who has some questions but has you know some obvious skills who's going to be a two or three year player like that's what you think you're getting if you get Tyler Hero Mm -hmm. and if he goes to Wisconsin like maybe that's what he is yeah because the expectation is different and the attention is different but you come here and you play well and you have some big games and big moments. You hit a game winner in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament and you leave. <laughs> and so, like, what else do you want Cal to do? Like, go get the 60th best player who's, like, half as good? I mean, I just – Yeah. Uh, it's tough to manage. So that kind of stinks for Kentucky. Yeah, I think you can still maybe hold out a glimmer of hope. But I, my guess is Tyler Hero leaves. I think that's probably accurate. But – to that end, Kyle, the flip side of that is that there probably is a guy who is coming back in theory if things go the way we're viewing him right now in Ashton Higgins, that many people at one point in this season thought he was going to go, going to be a first-round pick. So, there, I mean, you, you know, and we'll get into Ashton in a minute, but it seems like Calipari, the way he's recruiting, and some of this is not all by his choice, he would have rather had R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, right. no offense to the guys that are currently on the roster. Um, but it sounds like, you know, Higgins, there's obviously some issues that came up in his game late in the season. And it sounds like he's, if you go by, we don't obviously haven't looked at the player evaluations they get from the NBA. But if you go by what we do have access to, the the mock drafts of the guys that are well-connected, he's not a first-round pick. And it sounds like that if that's the case, he would be one that would come back. And, you know, a sophomore point guard, there have been very few for John Calipari. And the one the one was really, really successful in Tyler Eulis. Obviously, Higgins is not Tyler Eulis. Well, but there was another one, Andrew Harrison. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> they almost went undefeated. Uh, he gets probably a bad rap because they didn't play more freshman Tyler Eulis on that team. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's some huge value in having a guy be, like, good. I mean, Ashton Higgins was a good player. Like, mm-hmm. if you just measure him by, like, college freshmen, Ashton Higgins was the starting point guard as a freshman who could have been still in high school and won SEC co-defensive player of the year, you know, at times was a spectacular defender, not always, F- failed a little bit in that category down the stretch, at times was a terrific distributor, I mean, he had what? I mean, I have to go back and look. He had several games where he had between eight and ten, eleven assists. Um, he's unselfish. He's not. A, he's not a guy who's out there trying to get all the shots. He's flawed. I mean, he's not a great shooter. He is 
uh, sort of a baffling finisher, <laughs> but yeah. he get he gets there. I mean, think about how many times he got to the rim. If Ashton Higgins just learns how to finish those shots, think of all those ones he missed. You know, let's count seventy percent of those going in instead. Like that's he's a much different. He has a much different year. Yeah. Um, he's got to not turn the ball over. He's got to get a little more awareness about him. But he, I think Ashton Hagens could be fantastic as a sophomore at Kentucky. Um, and I talked to his dad as well today as we record on Tuesday. And this, you know, maybe we buried the lead here, but I, I think this will be the most encouraging piece of the conversation we have here today. His dad basically told me, we're going to talk to Cal soon. We're going to have our meeting with him. And essentially, whatever he says is what we're going to do. Because he said, if I had all the answers, if I knew what was knew what, how this worked, I wouldn't need him. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, why, why even go to, why even send him to Kentucky if I didn't trust Cal to point him in the right direction and point us in the right direction? Um, and so, I would say undoubtedly, Calipari is going to advise him to come back. I don't think he's ever advised a guy projecting the fifties to go. And assuming that that's the same feedback, like that the that the mock drafts match this NBA feedback. And he said he hadn't seen it yet. I think he uh, said Cal was going to share their NBA feedback with them when they have their meeting. And I think that may happen in the next day or two. Um, But, you know, it lines up with Hero. I mean, Hero's, I think, like I said, I think Sam had him 18th. And and his dad said he got, you know, a 15 to 30 projection. I mean, Ashton's a second-round pick straight up, whether it's early or late. Most people have him late. I think mm-hmm. Sam's got him fifty third right now on the big board, out of sixty. You don't you don't leave to be at the fifty third pick. Yeah, and I mean essentially this is exactly where PJ Washington was last year, draft wise. I think yeah. he may have even been like fifty third uh, on on the projections I saw. So I think Ashton and his dad are realistic, and if that if that's the case. If they really are going to trust what Calipari says, then he's probably coming back, and that's huge. I mean, if your if your point guard is back, if you've got Emmanuel quickly coming back, and from what I'm told, Quickly's not even really entertaining this NBA thing. I mean, it, he has no draft stock. Yeah. He's not like he doesn't need to hear from the NBA. We're not going to draft you, <laughs> and I don't think he's going to transfer. So I think they're going to get Emmanuel quickly back. If they have Ashton Hagens back, and they're adding Tyrese Maxey, that is a terrific. Backcourt. Very, very good. You know, I, I think you got to feel great about that. Um, the question marks to me now. Well, let's let's take a quick break and get into the front court. Cause don't, don't, don't. Cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, because um, I think that that's where a lot of people honestly kind of have no feel for what's going on. So we'll talk about, you know, Nick Richards and E.J. Montgomery in just a minute. You are locked on Kentucky. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery are both kind of in weird spots because I guess if you're looking at it, EJ has more NBA potential, like right now, capital. Uh, Nick Richards' questions is, is will he transfer or not? So where do you think that they're kind of sitting at, at this point? I don't think EJ's projected in any kind of situation, but you could definitely see a scenario where if he, if he, Got a wild hair and said, "I'm going pro." Like someone in the, I bet in, somebody would, take yeah, him. take him in the, at the end of the second round just because he's a giant and yeah. he's got good touch. And that's the thing. I think EJ will probably 
I believe he submitted his paperwork to get feedback, and I believe he'll have at least some percentage of the panelists say, like, second-round pick, you know, probably late second-round pick. I would guess that the the over the overall projection would be undrafted. Mm-hmm. But if he looks at this piece of paper and he's got 50% of the people or 40% of the people say late second round, and you know you can go – you know – from that, like I can hire, you can hire an agent now and come back. The requirement is that you submit to this board and get feedback. If you do that, you are allowed to hire an agent and then come back. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stipulations about how that can go. The agent can't like buy your family a car, yeah. which they can do. Like PJ can take whatever he wants from an agent because he's made it clear. He said in the video, "I have played my last game yeah. in Kentucky." There will be other guys that will do this. You know, Tyler Hero may be one of those guys that doesn't definitively say in the next week or so, I'm gone or I'm coming back, but I'm gone I'm I'm declaring and I'm hiring an agent and I'm gonna go work out. And that's the reason I think Tyler leaves. If he gets to that stage, he's gonna light up workouts. He's he from what I gather, in that workout setting and the practice shooting drill setting, he doesn't miss. And he's gonna go and he's gonna impress the hell out of these people. Um so EJ could get enough of a like a tease of like positive reinforcement like hey we might you know this there's a group of people here on this board that think you could get drafted then that lets him explore it further and then maybe he goes and works out and impresses he's a 6'10 guy with a long wingspan and pretty good athleticism and quickness who if you watch him shoot you know I've always you know defended him as a shooter because I've seen him in those workouts he may go torch a workout and then yeah. somebody wants to draft him um i think he's the one that they're worried about you know i think nick is probably ultimately going to come back I mean, he's the same deal I, he's going to have very few people say we're going to draft you i would think on that that form i don't think he wants to go sit out anywhere no it doesn't make any sense he's got Again, I mean, this may sound like a small thing. I don't think it is. I especially don't think it is for him. His girlfriend is Leah Edmonds. She is the star volleyball player at Kentucky. They have a very serious relationship, and she's got another year. He certainly would, like, is he going to go transfer away from her and not be able to play basketball and sit out a year? Or even if, like, he got a waiver for somehow to play – He's going to transfer away from her when at some point soon, like they're going to be separated by basketball. Probably if he has some kind of professional career, I I find that hard to believe. I think Nick will come back. I think they worry about EJ Montgomery. Uh, and I think there's a little bit of reason to. Yeah. I think it's very important for the team next year for EJ Montgomery to come back because I think Nate, Nate Sestina is, is a great addition I think he'll play a bunch. He may even start for them. I could see a situation where he's the five and EJ's the four as their starting lineup, basically Reed and PJ all over again. Um, but if one of these, if if either one of Nick or EJ leaves, they are in trouble. They're very thin up front, and they'd, it'd be a scenario where you'd have to play Keon Brooks at the four a ton, and I don't think they want to do that, or maybe Khalil Whitney slide him down. And I mean, you can you can play you, small ball, and that could be a lot of fun. But you go like, are they going to be able to rebound? I think yeah. that's a real real worry for next season. Yeah. Is can they well, rebound? And and the thing to keep obviously, and we'll 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 update this all that stuff as we find out things. But 
Um, there was one thing that we do want to touch on that is non-Kentucky related that could impact Kentucky. But there are names that are out there currently that Kentucky are involved in Matthew Hurt, and I'm going to talk about him in a second. But there are names out there that we don't know about that probably still could somehow end up at Kentucky, be it I know almost the coaching carousel is almost all the way at a stop. Uh, so maybe like recruits aren't coming back, but you know, you know, we mentioned EJ Montgomery. The reason he's at Kentucky is because right. really close to the you know the end of uh, last season when it looked like all recruiting was kind of done, Auburn gets hit with the the inv- investigation and the, right. one of their uh, assistant coaches to charge. He decommits from Auburn and now he's on the market. Something like that could happen. I mean, Ashton Hagens is here because Mark Fox got fired at Georgia. It's, you know, yeah. coaching turnover does put new yeah. guys on the market. It, I think the other piece of that is there could be other names. Uh, we mentioned R.J. Hampton is a combo guard in 2020 who could reclassify in Dale, uh, Nef- Infante Dale, no, Nafale. Nafale. <laughs> Let me say, how about, how about I say it? Nafale Dante. There we go. God, I'm going to get that wrong so many times. Who, by the way, just got measured at the uh, uh, Hoop Summit on the world team, 6'11", 250, with a seven five and a half inch wingspan and a nine five standing reach, he's a huge human. He also another top twelve, I think, player in the class of twenty twenty. Also could reclassify. Those are two options that Kentucky's in pretty heavily with recruiting a guard and a big man that could reclassify and play this next season. But I, I also think there are at least a couple other names that we don't yeah. know yet in twenty twenty who may reclassify yeah. and Kentucky could be in the mix with. So there are. You know, when you talk about those guys and then Matthew Hurt, I don't think they're getting Jaden McDaniels. But And then you mentioned Hurt. Um, the reason that the news that came out is um, Trey Jones is going back for a second season at Duke. Uh, we talked about it on a podcast a few times ago that very important to the Hurt family that he plays with a, a point guard that he's familiar with and knows is, is a quality point guard. Uh, if Jones had gone pro, there would have been question marks at Duke. And if Higgins would have stayed, now it looks like both of those programs are on equal footing from a point guard perspective. If if Higgins joins yeah. Trey Jones and comes back for his sophomore season, so that's kind of still appears to be a toss up. But if if Jones had gone pro, it might have leaned towards Kentucky. Yeah, and I think I think Jones announcing doesn't help Kentucky, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. I yeah, think, it's I not. think if Higgins comes out and makes it public, or at least behind the scenes can say to yes. them like. You know, we you got a point guard here. I do think too the Hurt family knows and is familiar with and comfortable with uh, Maxi and like the idea of if you know if they need to that Maxi could be the point guard. I don't think that's a great option, but I I think that's at least out there. I think if Hagen says, "Hey, I'm coming back," then they're basically back on equal footing. I know people are ready to give Hurt to Duke, and I would I would lean Duke right now, but I I feel like there's a still a decent shot for Kentucky to get him. Yeah. Um, so they're going to, you know, the roster is still going to change. Uh, the one last thing before we go, as we're talking about all this, I want to make sure to cover is I do think the other decision is Jamal Baker. And that that's the one real big transfer decision because he's a couple thousand miles from home. His family's in the Los Angeles area. You know, he, has been here two years, a year and a half of that trying to come fight through a really rough knee injury comes back he has a little success then he really really struggles then he has uh, you know great game for them in the second round of the NCAA tournament off the bench and then really struggles and sort of ended on a sour note had that foul on the four-point play um yeah he didn't play a lot he didn't play great 
and he's homesick. I mean, he just he's a, he's admitted as much that he's homesick. He's a very they're a very close family. Uh, I think he misses them a lot, and you know it can get crowded in a hurry. You can get recruited over in a hurry here in the well, backcourt. I mean, the way we just laid it out, if those both those guys come back in Higgins and quickly, and you already have Maxi, and then if you throw in. Uh, somebody like Hampton or something that, that back, the backcourt minutes are all the way gobbled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll update all those things as we know. So, but that is something that, that kind of gives you a, a, a nice baseline for the entire roster of what we know right now. So just stay, stay tuned in to the podcast and we'll, every time we get updates, we'll share them with you guys. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at locked on UK. Find us on Facebook. Just search locked on Kentucky. Uh, follow Kyle. At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Read his work on The Athletic. Quick note, The Athletic put out releases today that they're getting into the podcasting um, format. Uh, This is not an athletic podcast, so this will not be behind a paywall or anything like that. So if anybody's listening, don't be confused about that. You know, obviously, we love The Athletic, Kyle, because we like you. That's right. Um, but this is kind of a separate entity. So, yes. so don't worry about anything if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, which you should be, A. But if you're not, this this podcast will still go into your feed. Still free for all. Free for all. Uh, and the reason it's free is because, our, because of our fabulous sponsors like First Watch. So go get some delicious million-dollar bacon and tell them Locked on Kentucky sent you, and that'll help keep this podcast going. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Curtis Birch. B-U-R-C-H. Please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share this with somebody else who would enjoy. Thanks very much for listening, guys. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. In Dale, uh, Nef- in, Infante Dale, no. Nefale. Nefale. <laughs> Let me say, how about, how about I say it? Nafale Dante. There we go. God, I'm going to get that wrong so many times.